In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and on this Pentecost Sunday, we remember when the Spirit of God fell upon the disciples of Jesus. Now, this connects with everything that we have been doing in the Easter season. For the last seven weeks of Easter, we have tracked the story of the apostles by looking at the way in which they grew the church in Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts in our Bible. And as each week progressed through this Easter season, we saw that the Spirit of God was continuing to open the church, open the disciples to what the church could be, to the way in which Jesus was working through them to change the world. Now, step by step, with each question or each argument or each debate, we saw that the followers of Jesus, after his resurrection and ascension, looked to include more and more people in the church. And I hope at some point along the way, over these past seven weeks of Easter, you've begun to wonder how in the world they could be that kind of confident and inclusive and visionary about what Jesus wanted them to do in the world. Now, Jesus was their source of inspiration. He was their teacher, their rabbi, their savior when he was there on earth. But after he was gone, he sent the spirit to be their advocate. And today is the day that we learn just how those early followers of Jesus could be as confident as they were to create the church that we know today. Now, the advocate that Jesus leaves for his disciples is something that we call the spirit. But I want to make sure that we note that this word advocate is used very intentionally. In fact, it is only used twice in the whole Bible. First, to describe Jesus himself, and then second, to describe the Holy Spirit. There is an explicit and intentional connection between what, is God, what God is doing through Jesus and what God is now doing through the Spirit. Now, when Jesus was there teaching and preaching, he was instructing his disciples about a different way to live. Jesus called us to change the way we treat one another. Jesus made love the core of his followers' life. Love as the definition, the root of everything that they did and the way that they lived. And when the advocate came, when the Spirit fell upon those disciples after Jesus' ascension, the Spirit did something to magnify that love. But you see, the Spirit was not just a gift. Receiving the Spirit was also a command, a command from God to live differently than they had ever lived before. And it is critical that the Spirit came upon them because we know what they were like without the Spirit. Remember those few little days and weeks there as Jesus was arrested, condemned, and put to death, we saw the disciples, so many of them, turn away from the confident place of Christ, deny Jesus, run away from Jesus, hide in a room away from anyone who may hurt them because of Jesus until the Spirit fell upon them. And when the Spirit fell upon those disciples, everything changed, and they were sent out to begin to preach and teach the good news of Jesus, 
And we know how shocking that was because everyone said they were drunk. And I loved how everyone laughed in here when scripture was said, it's only 9 a.m. So I know some of you have already been drinking. So a little note about what changed with the spirit here in Pentecost. Before this moment, the spirit of God was real and the spirit of God was present, but the spirit was only episodic. In the Old Testament, we hear many, many stories, many moments when God's spirit fell upon a particular person, a leader, a king, or a prophet, or a judge, in order for that person to do something very special in that moment, in that place and time. What has shifted with this Pentecost day is not the truth of the spirit, but how the spirit is present with each and every follower of Christ. The Spirit is no longer something that comes every once in a while when you need a little help. The Spirit is something that comes upon us at baptism, rests inside us for our entire lives, and compels us to live the lives that God dreamed for each one of us before we were even born. Now, trying to figure out how to live this out is difficult. We know this because many of us try all the time to live out this kind of spirit faith in the world. And let's be honest, it takes practice. And one of the best ways to practice how we live out this faith in Christ, how we own the power of the spirit, is to begin to try and find God in our everyday moments. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to see God in each one of us. When the Spirit comes upon us at baptism, God gets in us. And when we go out seeking God in each one of us and each other, we can begin to recognize the way God works in the world. But you see, having the Spirit of God in us is not just the news. Again, it's a command to live differently, to put at the core of our lives and everything that we do the love of Christ. Yesterday, more than 23 million Americans watched the royal wedding. I was not one of them. I was busy doing a little work project with Boy Scouts. But I watched afterwards our presiding bishop, Michael Curry's sermon at that wedding. He preached a deceptively simple yet strong sermon about love, weaving a clear thread of love as the definition of everything that we are to do, the core message of Christ, a love that should define our lives and defy the evil in the world. And as I watched that replay, I was proud of his clarity and his conviction of showing what it is that we believe as Episcopalians to the whole world But then as I started to see reactions from people all over the world to his message, I realized we have a problem. We have a problem because people were fascinated, even surprised, by an engaging message from a Christian preacher that centered on love. One opinion writer from Esquire magazine summed up what I think many people around the world were responding to. He wrote, we really did not expect to get inspired by a royal wedding, but there you are. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go join the Episcopal Church. (laughs) 
The response was wonderful, don't get me wrong. But here's the problem. If lots of people, millions of people, were hearing something new, then we, you and I, have somehow missed the mark. The message that most Americans apparently are hearing from Christian people is not one of love, perhaps one of judgment, fear, but not love. And that's an unfortunate reality because we know we are called by the Spirit. We are called as faithful disciples of Jesus not to do anything else before we love one another. It's the good news of God that is all about love. And if we have not been doing enough of that, such that so many people seem to be hearing this message of love for the first time, then we have perhaps a new call. So after weeks of considering the way in which Jesus' early followers began to grow the church, after weeks of considering the ways in which they answered questions of whether people could be in or out, or how to judge one another, and when they landed every time on love, today we hear a challenge that the Spirit gives us again, that the Spirit of God in us can be one of strength and one of courage and one of confidence, not to judge, but to love, challenging us to consider how we live this out every day and the kind of love we show one another every day because people are hungry for this gift of love. People are hungry to have a God who simply loves them as they are. People are hungry for each one of us to share that good gospel news. And so today, I hope that we are re-inspired by love, filled again with the Spirit, and given the strength to make sure everyone knows that the good news of the gospel is truly centered on a grace-filled love. For God is love, and there's power in love. There's power in love to help and heal when nothing else can. There's power in love to lift up and liberate when nothing else will. And there's power in love to show each and every one of us the way to live in the truth of Christ. Amen.